0: the Prince Library Lounge. I'm your host Vicky Walbarn and I'm joining you from the Prince headquarters in Aarhus, Denmark. Here on the Prince Library Lounge we have insightful conversations with library professionals from around the world where they will share their thoughts on topics that are important and impactful to the library community. We hope you enjoy the episode so let's get to it! (music) Princh Library Lounge is brought to you by Princh, the preferred printing solution in Scandinavia. Princh is a user-friendly printing solution made for libraries with libraries. Check out princh.com for more details. Everyone, and thank you for joining us on episode two of the Prince Library Lounge. I'm very excited today to welcome both Beth crest and Meg DePriest who will discuss their thoughts on the topic of library fines. Beth is a youth and family services librarian at Colorado State Library and Meg is a library consultant at California State Library as well. And Before we get going then I'm just going to throw it over to both Beth and make to tell us a little bit more about themselves and probably do themselves more justice than I did. And um, so Beth, could we maybe start off with you?
1: Sure. Um, I am Beth Christ. Uh, I've been the Youth and Family Services Consultant at the Colorado State Library in Denver um, for about seven and a half years. And I work on projects like the Summer Learning Program, um, and a great program where we uh, circulate uh, backpacks nature backpacks with state park um, passes uh, in libraries across the state and one of the areas that i'm really passionate about and work a lot in is um, finding and removing barriers uh, to folks using the library so why is it that people uh, don't use the library Uh, what what, what are those barriers that they face? Sometimes it's not always obvious. Um, and so really delving into that and then figuring out how to remove those barriers for better access.
0: That's great. Thank you. And Meg, what about you?
2: Sure. Hi. Thanks for having us today. Um, I, as you mentioned, I am a consultant uh, working on projects right now for the California State Library. But before moving to California, I worked for Beth at the Colorado State Library uh, on an early literacy grant that she wrote. Um, And in the research component of the grant, um, there there were focus groups with parents of young children. And they reported that fines and fees were a barrier to their use of their libraries. So I was put to the task of seeing what kind of data there might be in the professional and research literature examining the effect of fines and fees on borrowing behavior. And that lit review became the Colorado State Library's uh, white paper advocating for the elimination of fines and fees on children's materials. And Beth and I have been watching this movement of dropping late fines take really take off as public libraries all over the country are joining in.
0: Great, thank you both so much. And yeah, just to maybe um, set the scene a little bit um, before I hand back over to you. Um, so I think it would be fair to say that there's been a debate going on in the library world for some time. Um, about whether there should be uh, library fines. And with more and more libraries, I feel like recently um, have, have been moving away from them. Um, the debate has come to the forefront and centre again. And just like any debate and any discussion, there's always two sides. So some people think that they're necessary um, for some reasons, and then others, um, like you mentioned, um, believe that they're, they're not necessary. Um, So, um, Meg, could you just tell us a little bit more about your take on uh, fines and just generally what side of the fence you sit on?
2: Sure, sure. Um, First, I think it's important that we define our terms, uh, just because not everyone uses the same language when talking about fines and fees. Um, When we talk about fines, we're talking about the charges you incur when you return your materials late to the library. Um, They accrue each day until you return your your books um, or your materials, Um, and they're usually small. Library Journal reported that they average around 17 cents per day in public libraries, but they do add up. uh, And in many instances, libraries will at some point block your account if you haven't paid your fines. So that's what we're talking about. Um, fees, on the other hand, are the money you pay if you damage a book or lose it, or it needs to be and it needs to be replaced. Uh, fees can also refer to the cost of using things like the copy machine at the library. So when we're talking today about fines, we're talking about late fines. Yeah, and I'll jump in here and
1: say that um, traditionally, um, uh, speaking to your point, your question, Vicki, which is a really good one, there are three main reasons uh, that libraries charge overdue fines. Uh, one is to bring in revenue. Um, another is to get materials back on time or even at all and to teach responsibility. And in in our research, uh, we've really found out that all three of these reasons are just incorrect assumptions. Um, and the more important reason to eliminate overdue fines is to provide more equitable library service uh, for everyone in each community. Um, Overdue fines are really punitive because they affect people in low-income situations the most. And in many cases, uh, these people who are the very people that need library services the most don't use the library because the fines make it prohibitive for them to do so. And um, I'm going to tell some some stories that we learned. Uh, Meg referenced our um, spell program before. Uh, This was uh, uh, supporting parents in early literacy through libraries. It was a grant funded program um, funded through Institute of Museum and Library Services. And so we did these uh, surveys and focus groups with parents and in low income households. And um, we heard some really heartbreaking stories uh, from these parents. One of them said that um, she takes her kids to the library and she loves using the library, but she never lets them check out books because um, they might uh, take them home and then she knows they couldn't get back to the library for a long time and they couldn't afford those overdue fines um, because of um, transportation. And sometimes they just get so busy they can't come back to the library. And um, another uh, parent told us another heartbreaking story. She said she does let her kids check out books and they love to check out books. But as soon as she gets home, she puts them high up on a shelf where the kids can't reach them because she's afraid that Um, the kids will lose them or they'll get damaged and then they won't be able to pay um, for those late fines uh, or replacement fees. So, you know, it really, really does affect these kids who are the ones that need access to books the most.
0: Yeah, that sounds really sad, (laughs) but can I just um, maybe pick you up on, so you brought up three points um, and I can just um, hear in the back of my head, um, some people saying, you know, there's budget cuts everywhere. It seems like it's affecting every library in every country. Um, so what kind of advice would you maybe give to people um, that maybe want to do this, but just see it as a cutback in their revenue, something that they just can't afford? Um, what, what would you maybe say to them?
1: Sure. Um, that's a, a great uh, point, And we definitely hear that a lot. Um, it, it can be... Um, frightening, right, to lose this this source of revenue. But again, in our research, we found that it actually isn't as big of a revenue generator as most people assume. Um, In US public libraries, what we're finding is that the income revenue generated from overdue fines is on average only about 1% of a library's total operating budget. So it's very small to begin with. And then when the cost of collecting all those dimes and quarters is added up, in terms of credit card fees, postage for overdue notices, collection agency fees, and especially staff time, it really ends up being cost neutral in many cases. Uh, So no revenue is actually lost. And in fact, some libraries actually report that collecting fines costs more than uh, what they bring in when they eliminate their fines.
2: Yeah. And if I can jump in, I think it's important to mention that there are also other costs associated with charging overdue fines. Uh, For many library staff members, the process of collecting and enforcing fines can prove really stressful. Um, And the Library Journal did a survey that indicated that library staff feel like there's enough combat going on in libraries right now without having to engage in this adversarial conversation with users. Librarians Interested in eliminating overdue fines discuss the negative impression it leaves on users. They dislike how it reinforces the stereotype of libraries and librarians being stern or punitive. So we try to remain welcoming to the community and relevant to their lives in pursuit of knowledge. And collecting overdue fines doesn't help foster a worn relationship. So That's kind of another, not monetary, but another cost associated with collecting fines.
0: Yeah, I can imagine there maybe being a sense of shame as well when mm-hmm. you um, have to bring something back and you know that you're facing that fine when you get through the door and it's I can imagine that it can be quite embarrassing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, of course, understand the, um, the argument there for sure. Um, but maybe just to pick you up on another uh, one of your three points as well um, about teaching responsibility. Um, I think that um, I read... Um, in an article somewhere about, you know, there's just this very basic social contract between um, library services and the patron that does um, take out, um, whether it be a book or a DVD or some other item. Um, And it's just a very basic contract that they just have to return it on time and that it's not damaged. And really, do you think libraries are responsible for teaching those kind of skills um, to people? Um, No. Uh... That is certainly a,
1: a reason given often is that libraries need to re- teach responsibility. But really, you know, when you look at it, how many kids, young children, and even teens can get to the library on their own to return the library materials on time? So, how is that even teaching responsibility to begin with? The kids are the ones being penalized for um, something they can't even do on their own. Uh, it's really not even teaching responsibility.
2: Yeah, and I think you know the San Francisco Public Library recently released a, a white paper in their advocacy work for eliminating late, fi- late fines in their system, and they addressed this teaching responsibility in a really lovely way. Um, they argued that if the library does have a role in teaching public responsibility, it must do so in a way that doesn't interfere with the library's mission and i'm quoting their white paper here they say responsibility is an important value for individuals and communities to practice but not one that permits the library to overlook its essential function if there is a conflict between teaching responsibility and ensuring equal access the library is duty-bound to prioritize equal access Um, i couldn't put that better myself Um, go back to the mission of the library i don't know I mean, I'm totally speaking off the cuff here. I don't know of any library that has in their mission to teach people responsibility. That's not the mission of the library.
0: So then just to go back to another one of your points as far as to get the materials back on time, could you maybe just tell us a little bit more about what you found out there? Maybe it's not necessary um, to get the books back in circulation. Um, Do you maybe have examples?
2: Sure, I can tackle that. so the argument that late fines get people to return their stuff on time, that's kind of one of the major reasons people think that late t- late fines exist. Uh, when I did that lit review, of our profession's academic journals for the CSL white paper. I was hoping to find studies where people had actually tested this supposition. And it turns out there really weren't many at all, um, especially in public libraries. Um, I found a few studies conducted in North Carolina that compared the circulation and return rates of libraries that charge late fines and then libraries that don't. Um, And there was virtually no difference in late return rates between the two types of libraries. Uh, the researchers did find that small fines had no effect on late return rates, but steep ones did. So unless libraries want to charge $10 a day for an item, uh, charging late fines aren't really effective.
1: And then we've really been following uh, libraries who have gone fine-free recently, and so many of them have done really excellent job of tracking uh, the return rates before uh, going fine-free and after. And we've They have really found out that return rates are the same. They have not changed. And we've even heard testimonials from some libraries that they get more materials back after going fine free because of two reasons. One is um, that some people are ashamed to bring stuff back late. And if they have to face the library staff to pay a fine, they might just not do so and keep the book. And two, of course, some people just can't afford to pay the fine. So they figure why bother bringing the materials back
2: at all uh, if they can't pay the fine and use the library. In Colorado, in the High Plains Library District, they remove fines on everything except DVDs. Then they track their circulation. And after six months, they found that 95% of materials were being returned within a week of when they were due. They found no increase in what we call patron disappoints which refers to the scenario when someone has put a hold on an item and is waiting for the previous borrower to return it. And they reported that dropping late fines didn't negatively affect that experience of other users in the library. And on top of that, their circulation of children's materials went up 16%. Um, And then one other thing I wanted to mention is um, after a colleague of ours helped us and put together this uh, big map and asked libraries, you know, through Twitter and everywhere, asked libraries to put themselves on this map, we heard from quite a few libraries that have been fine free for years or even since they've opened to the public. So I asked a few of them about their hold times because a lot of people are skeptical about dropping late fines. Uh, they're concerned that patrons waiting in line for books will will have to wait longer. And as I suspected, the circulation statistics for libraries that have never charged late fines are not significantly different from those that do. So it's just another piece of evidence that charging a late fine is not affecting when someone returns an item. Um, it does not have, there is no statistical effect of having late fines on whether or not uh, books come back to the library on time.
0: Okay, great. Um, and I'm just out of interest as well. Um, do you think that um, this um, eliminating uh, fines um, is only relevant to public libraries, or do you think that it should be for all libraries, including academic as well?
2: Um, you know, it's funny, we just because of the nature of what Beth and I do, we tend to focus more on public libraries and are more familiar with and knowledgeable about those. But I will tell you that there, when I was diving into the literature, academic libraries are also examining late fines and students borrowing behaviors. And they actually probably by the nature, because they're academics, they tend to, there are a few more studies in the literature about that. And what I saw was in academic settings, they're finding similar uh, results that uh, upping late fines, lowering late fines. uh, Even there was one study that um, offered rewards to students like gift cards and things uh, to see if they could get materials back. They found no effect. So even the existence of a reward did not affect students borrowing behavior. Um, And we did hear from a few academic schools when Andy Woodworth put that uh, request out on Twitter um, and there are schools that are very proud, particularly K through 12 um, uh, school librarians are very proud that they don't charge late fines because they see it affecting their relationship with the students, the students' relationship with the library and the students' access to resources. Yeah. And this, the school libraries, um,
1: that is it is definitely a, a growing conversation within that community as well. Um, and I, I think it will I think it will catch on to libraries. All types of libraries. I really do. it It is uh, maybe slow to come, but I think it it will catch on across the board.
0: That's great to hear because I remember from when I was um at university, um the I' say punishment <laughs> for not bringing back um your books is that you wouldn't be allowed to graduate. <laughs> so that's quite extreme.
2: ouch. right. and and what was your relationship with the library after they tell you you can't graduate? That's a great way to send a student out into the world, huh?
0: yeah I was scared to go back (laughs) um yeah so I can totally understand the sense of maybe um I mean I didn't get to that point of course I graduated I'm pleased to say um (laughs) um, but I can it was in their. um yeah it was on their website and it's I can definitely see the sense of shame of walking in and giving your books back because you were scared that you weren't going to graduate that's 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 it.
2: And I think, you know, that's kind of a good thing to kind of revisit is this whole, um, what, what, do, what do those kind of punitive, san- what do those sanctions do to the relationship or people's ability or tendency to come to the library? Um, and, you know, researchers are re- going back to public libraries. Researchers have reported that libraries in economically disadvantaged areas of cities have significantly lower circulation rates than middle class neighborhoods. And library users are reluctant to check out books because they fear having to pay overdue fines. Um, low-income caregivers surveyed in our research with SPELL identified library fines and fees as one of the factors preventing them from using the library. Um, at a time when libraries fight to showcase their relevance and importance in the community, we should be welcoming all library users, not establishing policies that turn them away, that scare them, that induce a sense of shame, and then reduce usage
0: yeah and i think that yeah it goes back to your earlier point as well that it's really turning away the people that really do need the libraries as well Mm -hmm. Um, that's what they're there for
2: (laughs) right beth do you want to go back to um the fact that so when libraries drop fines sometimes they see some really amazing things happen and uh beth maybe you want to talk about salt lake and san rafael and some of those
1: yeah please yeah so um Indeed, when, when libraries eliminate fines, many of them see, see really positive benefits. Um, for instance, the Salt Lake City Library in Utah saw checkouts increase 10%, uh, and their number of borrowers also increased 10%. Um, the San Rafael Public Library in California reported an increase of their children's materials uh, and a 40% increase in youth borrowers after dropping late fines for children's materials. Um, Both libraries reported hold times, um, which is a good measure of late returns, were virtually unchanged. And uh, since they removed this ineffective policy, their circulation increased, and they had more borrowers discovering the library. And again, um, we do know uh, several libraries have done excellent studies that show how people in in the disadvantaged areas really do have a much lower rate of borrowing and having library cards. Uh, And we think fines is is a big reason for that. We uh, have a a colleague in New Jersey, Andy Woodworth. He has recently created this this wonderful map. Uh, It's a great visual way to show um, the very rapidly growing number of libraries around the world um, that have removed fines on at least children's materials. There are mostly public libraries as we mentioned before but there are some academic and um uh, k-12 schools as well Uh, we would love to see that list continue and grow and if you're anyone listening if your library has gone fine free already or is about to we also have a section for those uh who is uh, for whom um going fine free is pending um there is a way that you can uh, get your library on the map so um, it's, it's a great visual. Uh, there are about 350 libraries on it already. Uh, most are in the U.S., but there are some uh, in other parts of the world as
2: well. And you can find that map at uh, the website. It's endlibraryfinds.info.
0: Awesome, thank you so much. And maybe just um, just one final question. Um, say that I uh, work in a library authority and I'm totally convinced I wanna get rid of library fines tomorrow, (laughs) Um, what would be my next step? Or what would be my next few steps? What advice would you give me um, to maybe bring it to um, my local authority or my director and say, hey, like this is a great idea, what would I do?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, One thing uh, that some libraries have done uh, for, administration boards, community members, municipal entities, and or staff that uh, are perhaps apprehensive about going totally fine-free. Some have found it more successful to first eliminate fines on children's materials and then track the return rates and the fine revenues, circulation statistics, and community feedback for six months or a year. And then what tends to happen is it's so successful with None of the negative effects feared that total fine elimination is a logical and much easier next step. So sometimes starting with that um, smaller pilot project has been really successful. So that's one way to go.
2: Yeah, Beth and I have spent the last few years answering questions about this uh, in webinars, articles, blog posts. Our message is always the same. Library staff can advocate for policy change. You just need to get all of your ducks in a row. We really encourage them, as Beth said, to gather data about their library's circulation, uh, to look at where blocked accounts are more common in their service area. Uh, if they're higher in areas where residents facing economic, are facing economic hardship, as many libraries find, that's important information to communicate to your governing board. Uh, we encourage them to understand their library's budget and the costs associated with collecting fines. Um, and to collect input and stories from users, people who are using the library, and then frontline staff who have all those interactions with the users. And to use things like the white paper we produced and the many articles that have been published in the last few years to really build their case. And there have been some libraries that have
1: produced really excellent advocacy pieces that are visual, visually based, um, really rich infographics. Um, to make the case to eliminate fines. And they found that helpful to, um, to bring to their governing bodies and communities to help that, to have that information compiled in a compelling visual format. And another excellent new advocacy tool, just, um, just over a month old now, is the American Library Association's resolution just passed in January. Uh, It is their resolution on monetary library fines as a form of social inequity. Uh, This exciting document states that fines are a barrier to library use and access to information. It urges libraries to scrutinize their practices of imposing fines on library patrons and actively move toward eliminating them and urges governing bodies of libraries to strengthen funding support for libraries so they're not dependent on monetary fines as a source of revenue. And so that can be a really powerful piece. I mean, this this is a major library association and uh, since they have put this forward, we are really hoping that libraries can can use that as a really strong advocacy piece.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Well, thank you both uh, so much. That just wraps up today's conversation on library finds. So thank you so much for very um, yeah useful insights. I've certainly learned a lot, and I think that everyone listening to this will do as well. Um, but just in case people listening have any questions or want to... Follow up with you in any way, is there um, a place where maybe they could reach out to sure. you or get in contact? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, we can certainly, uh, I'm, I'm willing to provide my email, uh, C-R-I-S-T underscore B at cde.state.co.us. Um, please feel free to email me with questions. We can provide
2: lots of resources as well. Yes, and you can find me at Meg J. DePrice, that's M-E-G-J d-e-p-r-i-e-s-t at gmail.com and we love to hear from people about this
0: that's great thank you both so much and yeah look forward to um hearing responses from everyone on this topic thanks for having us vicky thank you so much thank you so much listening to the prince library lounge if you enjoyed today's episode make sure to subscribe and spread the word to other library professionals if you want to learn more about today's episode check out the prince library lounge website at prince.com podcast we will be back next month with the next episode and until then happy librarian